Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I've had a hell of a 2023 season. Me and Rohan are back. Clutching Sports, Rohan Chakavarti's personal channel, here to bring you the 2023 NFL 49er edition awards now right after this Welcome back to another episode of Cledging Sports. I'm here with my guy, Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, we're doing good, man. First time in a minute. My boy here, I want to congratulate him real quick. He got married, went on his little honeymoon, and so I want to congratulate you. But I'm doing good, and I'm glad we're back on the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Man, it's been a while since we've recorded. At least, at least a month, at least. Yeah. I mean... School, that stuff, I haven't recorded as much. He obviously doing his thing. But that just means, you know, first show back is going to be a good one. So first and foremost, if you guys are in the in the from Rohan's personal channel, Clutch Gene Sports channel, hit, hit the like button. Go to the other channel. Subscribe to that channel. Do us a favor. Every time you hit that thumbs up button, it helps our algorithm. helps us get on the YouTube platform a little more. So do us a favor and hit that like button. We really appreciate it. Before we even get into 49ers 2023 awards, big, big, big news has happened um, today. And I'm very curious to see what you have to say. The first one, I'm going to go in in importance, like who I think is more important. I'll do that person last because he deserves a special welcome and a special congratulations on his career. The other one does too, but he's a Seahawk. I'm not going to give him that much credit. You know what I mean? But what are your thoughts, Rohan, on Pete Carroll? I mean, there's been a lot of surprising stuff recently, in my opinion. This one might have surprised me the most. The reason being, Pete Carroll spoke last week that he wants to continue being the Seahawks head coach. And then what does Seattle do? They end up saying they're going to fire him. Maybe this was mutual. Maybe, you know, you know those. it was one of those mutual decisions that was truly mutual. It appears that Pete Carroll, instead of going to a different role is or going to a different place, is stepping back and as a senior advisor, probably will help out a lot with the next head coach. But he is out as Seattle's head coach. I know he's Seattle's head coach, but, I mean, he's had a hell of a career. And maybe this was him stepping back, him obviously being older, deciding, it's okay, spend more time with my family, Steve, still be very involved with the team. But I, I listened to a little bit of his uh, tribute or his his uh, press conference today, and it seemed like I mean he gave a lot of praise to General Manager John Snyder. And I mean, when you look at the last two years specifically, the Seahawks obviously have had a, a hell of a reign. You talk about Legion of Boom and things like that, the way that they've competed with the 49ers, with the Rams, with the rest of the division over the last few years, it's been impressive. But I thought the last two years, when you talk about a turnaround, Seattle was entering a rebuild when they traded Russell Wilson and immediately made the playoffs. They just missed out this year, but another positive season. And I mean, with that roster, I think it's impressive that they're doing what they're doing. Congrats to Pete Carroll on a good career, but very surprised to hear that he is out as the head coach of the Seahawks. Surprised me even more than the Mike Vrabel news that we heard earlier this weekend. Yeah, I, I didn't include Mike Vrabel's news because he'll be a head coach again one day and within the near future, within the next couple of weeks, he'll be a head coach. Um, but man, Pete Carroll is interesting because I don't know if it was mutual. Like, I kind of felt like he went. I don't to- think it was, but I don't. I mean, it, that was a weird one, a very weird one. Yeah. Because, like, in his press conference, he goes on and they're like, he's asked, was this your decision to step down? He goes, no. And then they're like, did you fight to, to stay the head coach? He goes, yes, I fought, absolutely fought my hardest to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. 
So it kind of sounds like ownership was like, you know what, Pete, your time's up. We gave you the opportunity. You got rid of Russell Wilson like you wanted. You did this, this, and this like you wanted. He's had a lot of say in the 53-man roster, even though general manager John Snyder's been there. Now, John, now um, Pete Carroll, he's gone. Well, I'm just super glad that, not necessarily that he's gone, but that last year, John Snyder and Pete Carroll didn't find Anthony Richardson as a oh, guy yeah. to trade up for, right? Because they Anthony Richardson went at four right before they could pick at five. They end up getting um, Witherspoon the corner. To me, that was that's a big thing for the 49ers. And, and it's kind of, for me, a, a farewell gift from Pete Carroll. Like, we didn't get a quarterback, but next coach is most likely going to look for that quarterback. Geno Smith isn't that guy, in my opinion. Good quarterback, but I don't think he's the answer for them. Pete Carroll's gone. Big for the 49ers, in my opinion, because he's a great coach. Big for the NFC West. Now, if they hire the right coach, it could also be a bad thing for the 49ers because if you look at the 49ers right now, two really, really good head coaches in the NFC West, in my opinion. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. Arizona, Jonathan Gannon, not sure what he's going to be or what he is, but potentially could become a good coach. And if they hire a really good coach in Seattle, they have a pretty decent roster, stuff to build off of. Um, now, the main, main, main thing that surprised me today, I wasn't expecting this to happen. I knew this was going to come. I knew the day was going to come where the GOAT of all GOATs coaches, one of the GOATs of all coaches was going to retire. Nick Saban announced his retirement um, today has, I believe, was it six championships, seven championships? Seven. Yeah, six at Alabama. I don't know. Seven total championships. He had one, I believe, at LSU. Yeah. So, super great career. One of the craziest stats I saw earlier today on Nick Saban was he had more first-round draft picks. At Alabama. That is insane, Ron. Like, Rohan, talk to me about Nick Saban and what this means for college football. You cover the Wisconsin Badgers as well outside of the 49ers. What does this mean for college football? Humongous. I mean, everyone expected, you know, there, there's always the day, inevitable day that Nick Saban's going to retire. Nobody expected it really to come right now. I mean, obviously, if you look back at this year and a couple of the moments where Nick Saban's been in, maybe you could, you know, allude to it. Yeah, maybe this is the year. But Saban ultimately retires. I mean, just one week after he lost, just one week after he said, you know, He's pretty interested still, obviously, in the program. And there are reports coming out that even up until last night, he's looking to fill out his coaching staff. He was still looking to, you know, making calls for out his coaching staff. But obviously, humongous, not only for Alabama as a program, but for the college football landscape. Because why did people go to Alabama? It was for Coach Saban. Coach Saban has been a phenomenal leader, a phenomenal program builder, and things like that. That's why Alabama has seen you know, as as uh, as good of a success as they've had in the last 17 years since Saban's been there. And regardless, I mean, this is a human, it's a huge deal. But also when you look at it, is there really a, there, I don't think there's anybody in that building that really seems like a, a, a head coaching candidate for Alabama. Likely they go outside and the news comes pretty late in this cycle. So there's going to be a lot of shifting, in my opinion. Um, whoever they hire, seems like right now the frontrunner's Oregon's Dan Lanning, a guy who has been uh, a Saban assistant in the past from 2019, or 2015 to 2019 before going to uh, Oregon. I mean, there's a, going to be a lot of shifting because if, if he, he goes there. Rohan, if he yeah. does that, if Dan Lanning does leave, I'm talking as much shit as I can about Dan Lanning. Reason why. What, did he, do, what, did, what did he do the moment? Deion Sanders in Colorado left and, and all this and stuff. He's been a guy who's like, you don't own this and that. You're not the main dude in the Pac-12 leaving for money. You left Jackson State for money. If he does that, he's getting a pay raise. He's he's leaving. He, you already have an established program. If you leave, all that loyalty and all that stuff you were saying about other coaches for taking a bigger jump to a bigger school and a bigger conference you're doing the same thing. So if the moment you do it and you want to be hip hip hypocrite, I'm going to, Hey, that's to me, if he takes it, the job's right for him. It makes a lot of sense. But a couple of months ago, you were talking mad shit about Deion Sanders doing the same exact thing from Jackson state to Colorado state. So to me, I think if Dan Lane does do what he does deserve 
um, some some discredit towards him or whatever we want to use it as. Um, that's fair. Personally, I don't view things in that manner in the sense that I don't really like buy into what coaches kind of talking about one another. I know there's a lot of discourse, and I do think that it's fair uh, to think like that. For me, I kind of just think of it coaching fit. How does it work like that? And like you said, I think Dan Lanning would be a great hire for them. Um, obviously, it changes the landscape of a lot of things because if Lanning goes, you're likely going to see an influx of talent in and out of Alabama. Their number one recruit in the class is already decommitted from the program. Um, so you're going to see a lot of different things. And I mean, regardless, as a as a insider in college football, as a guy who's involved with both programs, Alabama would come to Wisconsin next year. Uh, they're facing them in the non-conference late. Oregon, obviously, moving into the Big Ten. Wisconsin also faces Oregon next year. So I'm intrigued to see how this all goes. But, uh, I mean, if Dan Lanning does ultimately become the guy, he's going to have a hell of an expectation set upon him. You got a precedent. That's the number one thing. Everyone's talking about, you know, who could be the next guy who's going to get the pay raise, who's going to get the uh, recognition. You're following Nick Saban. You're, 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 you know, whatever you do is ultimately going to be tied to how Nick Saban performed and things like that. That comparison is going to be there. So we'll see how it ends up going and who ends up being the guy. One one guy before we get out of, uh, to the next topic, but uh, one guy that was thrown out there by um, a guy that I like a lot and, and like what he does um, as a consultant staff writer for a lot of different sites and played ball at Jackson State, um, Glenn Schumann. Uh, the defensive coordinator from Georgia, um, young guy, 33, was a grad assistant at Alabama. Um, is He knows that defense that Nick Saban has ran. He runs it at Georgia. He's going to be a guy that he's very trustworthy. He's a motivator. He is a very good communicator with his players, um, a guy that the entire Georgia team loves. That's a guy where you don't want much. You, there's going to be high expectations, right? but you lower your expectations because he's a first-year coach, comes in, still runs a good defense, finds an offensive coordinator. I think that's a guy that could stick around in Alabama. Uh, but if you're on each channel, make sure you guys go to the other channel, hit the like button for us, make sure you guys subscribe, um, drop a comment on your thoughts of Nick Saban and Pete Carroll retiring. Then we're getting it. Now we're getting into the awards. Now this is the, the, the favorite part of everything. So you're not going to get the MVP award right away. I'm not doing that. We're not going to work because then you're going to be like, oh, you got to wait. You got to wait for the MVP award. The funniest moment award is here, though. Rohan, I'm going to let you go first. Um, throughout the throughout the year, there's funny moments throughout. Whether it's Twitter, you want to bring up what, like something from Twitter, NFL, 49ers, whatever. Funniest moment from the 49ers this season could be from training camp all the way up to the end of the regular season. Um, I'll let you go first. Um, funny moment is a hard one, actually, to be honest with you. Now, you threw this at me. I don't have too much on my mind, but I got to go with the recency bias. I think one of the more intriguing ones recently was Cam Newton's involvement with the 49ers. Cam Newton obviously called out Brock Purdy as a game manager. And then that portion obviously was funny, caused a lot of staring up of the national media. But then obviously the Debo Samuel portion of it. Debo Samuel fired back at Cam Newton. Uh, and then Debo Samuel, you know, uh, said Cam Newton was the one texting him uh asking for uh, uh, an appearance on his podcast when in fact it was actually Rohan and his friends Newton. in college yeah uh sure yeah but it was in fact not Cam Newton it was some college students that's that, my point that is the that the I'm glad I didn't give you time to think about that because I didn't even think about that one like that it's a great funny moment that's happened this year um great one my funniest moment was Actually, Dre Greenlaw and um, what's that guy over there, Big Dom or whatever? Oh, the, yeah. The secure, head of security for the Eagles. That's my funniest moment, him pointing in his face and laughing at him um, and try to fight him. Like that to me, I thought that was funny. Like, dude, you're a head of security. Stick to the sidelines. And then he gets suspended for the entire year. And then after that, you see the entire Eagles downfall. Like, to be honest, I thought that was funny because. Dre Green, like as Dre Greenlaw says, he he stands on business, right? Like to me, that was funny. Um, seeing a player get into it with a, a head of security, like you're supposed to be protecting these players, but instead you're trying to fight these players. Doesn't make sense. Um, another funny moment, any George Kittle moment, man. If George Kittle's on, if he's on camera, it, it's funny. 
anytime George Kittle is on near a camera, camera is on him. You're expecting to laugh. Like that guy is hilarious. He's definitely has a role in acting, WWE, whatever he wants. George Kittle um, is there for for it. Any other moments you're thinking of? Anyone want to drop a comment of a funny moment they think of? Um, you guys drop a comment. We'll bring it up and we'll talk about that moment as well. Next one, player that you're most excited for next season. Um, it could be a rookie. It could be a veteran. It could be someone who's on the practice squad that you think is going to make the team. Someone you think is an excited, exciting player. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean that they're going to be a superstar. It, it's just someone who you are going to watch them throughout training camp and preseason to see their their evolution as a player. Yeah, I think this one's a good one, right? Because when you talk about teams like the 49ers, you see how talented they are. And usually those teams with talent and a team with as much success as the 49ers doesn't really go over a lot of turnover. And so when you're talking about players you're trying to project for next year, I don't think there are too many of these guys on the roster that you can really think about um, at key positions. But I think the number one guy that immediately comes into my mind is going to be a guy who I expect to start next year. And that's Tig Brown, Jair Brown, who, you know, we're starting to get a bit of a glimpse of in the second half of the season. But he was a guy who I was extremely high on in the draft process. Love the pick when they traded up to get him, I believe, at 86 or 87 in this draft. And I thought that, that was their best pick of the draft overall. Jair Brown, though, we're, we're starting to get a glimpse of him this season. He's likely going to start alongside Talano Funga next year. I expect Tashawn Gibson to retire. And so... When you're talking about projecting these picks for next year, that's what the 49ers did when they selected him this past offseason. And so I'm excited to see. We I saw a glimpse of his work ethic at training camp this year. One of the first guys out always. And so excited to see how he grows in year two at 49ers uh, or for, at safety for the 49ers. That's a great pick. And I knew you were going to go that route. Kind of kind of had a feeling you were going to go Tig Brown. Um, it's kind of hard not to go him when he's had a phenomenal rookie year, stepped in as a starter immediately and we didn't skip a beat, um, but a player I have expect not expectations, but I'm I'm intrigued by, and and it's I was intrigued by him last year or this pre off season, which was training camp and in the preseason. Um, I have to go Taylor Hawkins comes in first start interception. Um, a guy that I thought should have made the roster actually this this off season. I had him on our, my initial fifty three. Um, I think he's been developing really well. Now, he just got placed on the injured reserve for the practice squad. But I think he's a guy who is going to make the roster next year. I think George Odom is in his final year of his contract, I believe. Um, but he's a guy, in, in my opinion, who could come in. Like you said, Deshaun Gibson's going to be retiring. There's an open open spot at the safety position, whether it's a backup. Talanoho Fonga it has, it's coming off an ACL injury. So you're going to have to have players you could trust to play there. And Steve Wilkes has spoken highly of Hawkins. Um, his play his speaks highly. Like if you watch him in training camp, you watch him at uh, in preseason, and then you watch him in the regular season last week getting an interception. I think he's been very consistent. Um, even last uh, the year before, he was a rookie. Um, you and I were both in, in at training camp, and um, there was another safety that was there who a lot of people were. Well, he was, I guess, ranked higher. I can't think of his name from Texas A and M. Um, Cannot think of his name, but saying Mike Elko. Uh, no, I don't know if I don't, I don't think it was Mike Elko, but it was a safety that the Niners had on their practice squad. Oh, during uh, training camp. you're saying the safety? Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, Leon O'Neill, O'Neill, right? O'Neill was yeah. ahead of him, but Hawkins always looked better. So for me, I think Hawkins is the guy that I'm I'm intrigued by. I'm excited for to watch this year. Um, now you have an Iron Iron Man award, and what this means is a player who plays all 17 games in the season. Um, for the 49ers, there's a lot of guys that played. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the list, Rohan. Um, I could go ahead and read off the, the if I pull it up real quick, I could uh, read it off for you. Um, let me go ahead and pull it up for you. For uh, talking about the players that played all 17 games this year, right? Yeah, yeah, no, there were a lot of players, surprisingly. You know, the 49ers they faced some injuries at the end of the year, but there were a lot of players that ended up playing all 17 games. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Ironman Award is one that nowadays in football, you know, might not be as, I guess, you know, might not be as 
not necessarily valued, but as normal just because of how the game is. But what direction do you think you're, you're going to go with this? Because there are two ways, guys that battled through injury or guys that managed to stay healthy. Because there are a couple of players in the 49ers that, you know, battled through injury for a lot of the year and ended up playing a good portion of games uh, throughout. But if we're going in that direction, I think the number one guy that I'm going to go to or I got two in mind, but number one is going to be Christian McCaffrey because McCaffrey only sat out one game this year, which was week 17. McCaffrey played in every single game, dealt with rib and oblique injuries. Remember those injuries in the week seven, eight portion when the 49ers were going. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Went through a bit of a rut, had some injuries uh, towards the end of the year as well, but he played in 16 games. And uh, I mean, he played an extremely integral role. Probably going to speak his name at least one more time in this episode. But McCaffrey is going to be my guy because of the way that he played. The other guy that I'm going to mention, because I think his presence, and I think I'm going to mention him later on as well, is Charverius Ward. Ward has been a guy who has been not necessarily labeled as injury prone, but he's been known to miss a few games in his career per season, two to three games per season. And at cornerback, the 49ers absolutely could not afford an injury to a guy like Charverius Ward. While Ward did face injuries, as I expected, in games certain times this year, the groin injury was, uh, you know, one to watch. He played in all 17 games. I think that's something, another thing to value and a reason why the 49ers defense saw the success that it did. So I love that you went with those two players. I'm going to go a little bit different route. I'm going to go a player who um, has been often injured, talked negatively um, by a lot of the fan base in terms of where they drafted him and who they were trying to replace. Hasn't been able to stay healthy, finally stays healthy, and is able to play um, 500 plus snaps this year, Javon Kinlaw. Um, I have to give him the award in terms of he was been often injured, came off of knee surgery. A lot of people were like, "Oh, he's going to be injured again this year." He's done. He's done. This is his last season with the 49ers. Um, I have to give him the award. Um, another guy I got. I got to include. Um, you did include Traverius Ward in there. Um, a lot of a lot of the 49ers players who were actually able to stay healthy um, throughout the. Uh, entirety of the 17 game season um it's interesting because looking at it i wasn't expecting that many players to stay that healthy like looking at right. the 49ers they had more players than i, I want to say they had 17 players who played the entirety of the season which is pretty phenomenal um the next guy i have fred warner man it's it's crazy how fred warner goes year in year out able to stay healthy able to play at a high level um was pushing to play week 18. Like he did not want to sit out. Like he was saying, and he said on his podcast um, with his wife, he said it in the media room. I'm pushing to play. This is my opportunity to show. Um, and and he's, always, he's always playing like he's a rookie. Like he has something to prove. Like, hey, you're an all pro. Chill out. <laughs> so I got to give those two. Any any other players you think that, that you would like give an honorable mention for that award? Yeah, I mean, those two guys are guys that you – I really like Javon Kenlaw mentioned because he's a guy, you know, who has been touted as an injury-prone player in his career. He obviously played a lot. I have one other player in mind. He played 16 games this year, just didn't play the last game. And he's also been a guy who a lot of – I don't think the fan base ever soured on him, but he's been a guy who people kind of view as a guy who's faced some injuries in the past, a guy who's battled through things and played. I thought he had a relatively healthy year this year, and that led to his first 1,000-year campaign since 2019. That's George Kittle at tight end. Kittle played 16 games this year, only missed the last one, like I said. He hasn't played a full 16-game season, since, or uh, he hasn't played 16 games since his breakout year in 2018. And with him being, you know, there for nearly the entirety of the 2023 season, we saw an increase in impact. Kittle, I mean, he caught uh, 65 passes this year, close to his 60 passes from a year ago, but the way that he was utilized is different. 
had 15.7 yards per catch this year, the highest of his career. That led to a 1,000-yard season, got 90 targets as well. He's been an integral part to this offense. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But Kittle, he's a guy who you know puts his body on the line every week as a blocker, and I thought that he deserves this award given how he remained healthy this year. A.W. coming off the top rope to snag my honorable mention a guy that I was gonna I was gonna initially include um, instead of Fred Warner, uh, the nominal Lenore, a versatile player able to slide inside, outside, wherever the coaching department needed him. Like it, they literally said, "Hey, you know what? Isaiah Oliver's struggling. We need you to move to the slot. We know how hard it is to move from outside to inside. Can you do it?" Stepped up and he's played phenomenal. Um, only gave up one touchdown in like 660 um, coverage snaps. I thought great AW off the top rope taking mine. Um, now the next award is going to be a, a player who's most improved on the 49ers roster, whether it's someone who has struggled in the past, um, a player who you felt like during the season, they struggled the first couple of weeks and gotten better. However you want to go about this award, you could take it that route. I'll let you go first, Rohan. Yeah, most improved player, obviously, you can view this in a couple of ways. Guys who didn't play at all last year, guys who maybe didn't improve as much or, you know, didn't see as much of a role or didn't have a great year last year. But I think there's only, well, there, there are a few ways you can go with this. But, I mean, for me, it's pretty clear. It's Debo Samuel uh, for me. Debo Samuel is my most improved player. I thought Debo Samuel came out this year with a vengeance. And, uh, I mean, we've said it on this podcast. I was critical of Debo Samuel in 2022. Coming off the extension, he did not perform to what his contract demanded of him. And I thought that that was an issue, especially considering the way that the 49ers utilized him in 2021. He came in out of shape. He missed a few weeks of training camp, didn't play, uh, didn't, didn't suit up for a majority of the offseason, things like that. 2023, Debo Samuel's there. Uh, at minicamp early in May, he's there throughout the offseason. He was being, a, you know, he was in shape. And what did it come out to be? Debo Samuel plays in 15 games this year. He only missed a very uh, short stretch in the early portion of the season where he struggled a little bit. And I thought there was a good reflection from Kyle Shanahan a few weeks ago. Debo Samuel had a few of uh, a few poor weeks. You know, he got injured early in the season, week six, week seven, week eight that area, and I, I thought he didn't play as great in those weeks. Decided to shut it down till uh, till after the bye week. Since the bye week, he's been electric, though. You talk about, um, you know, the Jacksonville game. Since then, I believe he scored, I want to say, in excess of 10 touchdowns. It might be 10 touchdowns, like, on the dot. I think he scored 10 touchdowns since then. He's been a touchdown machine. He's had a couple of major games he has had. Um, what do you call it? The two games back-to-back, -back, 116 yards versus Philly, 149 versus Seattle. He had those two major games. But I think his presence overall has just been a, a huge force for the 49ers. You see how they're able to distribute the ball. A guy who I thought did not play well last year. And I think you can go a couple of different ways, but I have to give props to Debo Samuel for his performance this year. Sure, he didn't get 1,000 yards. I don't really care. I think that overall that he played pretty well in 2023. Again, before before I go, and I'm sorry to stress this, but hit that like button, go to both channels, subscribe to both channels, because my most improved player is a guy that struggled his first couple of years, number was called this year, and has played phenomenal, Ambry Thomas, man. Mm -hmm. yeah. like, for me, this this one was, was an easy give to Ambry Thomas, um, struggled his first couple of years. Uh, rookie year, I thought he played decent. Second year, he struggled. Um, kind of was put on the the back end um, behind Demo. Um, but coming into camp, he was that guy who was getting targeted. People were like, "Oh, he needs to be cut. He needs to be cut." Like I saw a lot of even including myself, and and that's why I'm giving him this award. He's most improved. Tip my cap to him. Um, proved a lot of people wrong. Um, Ambry Thomas is one of those guys where in camp was getting getting targeted often and often. And it was to the point where it kind of felt like the Niners quarterbacks were looking and finding Ambry like, all right, I'm throwing right at Ambry. Steve Wilkes has done a phenomenal job with him, um, giving him confidence to the point where after that, one of the a big play this season, he ran over to Steve Wilkes and said, don't forget about that. Don't forget about that. I'm here. 
I could do that. Um, so for me, that's kind of the confidence that Steve Wilkes has is, is instilled into his defensive players, and especially Ambry Thomas. I felt like that's been – if the 49ers didn't have Ambry Thomas on their team or a guy that they could plug in that outside corner and play at a high level like that, what would their secondary look like right now? Because at one point, Isaiah Oliver was in the nickel. Um, uh, Denomino Lenore was in the outside. And the 49ers defense wasn't that. It wasn't that great. That is be like it. Isaiah Isaiah Oliver was struggling. Um, the defense was struggling. And I don't I don't I'm not saying it was because of Isaiah Oliver, but you move Demo, who was much better um, than Isaiah Oliver in the slot. Ambry Thomas is playing at a top 15, top 20 level corner level. When you look at the stats and you go into the the deep analytical stats of it. Um, so I definitely have to go Ambry Thomas. I felt like that one was, was pretty easy to choose from. Um, if I had to give a second award to someone for that position, um, I felt like I got Aaron, an interesting one. Go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead bro. I want to hear ahead. yours first, and that, because I mine I'm gonna save for last. So I want to hear yours first. I'm I'm actually gonna go um Aaron Banks. I felt like Aaron Banks has been a Pro Bowl guard this entire year. When he's healthy, he's a Pro Bowl level guard. Um, and he's improved and I'm, and I'm last year. He was phenomenal. He was a very good guard, but I feel like this year he's even that much better that it's allowed the offensive line to allow them to slide Brendel right a lot more than they have in the past. Normally they would pick and choose. Aaron Banks has allowed for the offensive line to slide, right? Allowing him and Trent Williams to go one-on-one -on, -one on their side. Um, so I definitely have to give him, a mention in that most improved because he was a player who didn't play his rookie year, played his second year and his third year. And he's, he's been that improved on the 49ers roster. That's a good one. I mean, I, I think that both are good. Ambry Thomas was one on my mind. Now this one is intriguing because again, I don't know exactly how you compare it to his first year, but I have to include his name in here because his ascension has been something to note. That's that quarterback. Brock Purdy is my second most improved player on this team because when you play at the most important position of, you know, in football and you have the jump that Brock Purdy has, I think that has to be noted. I, I, I don't think Brock Purdy was in the, you know, I think it's fair to say Brock Purdy was not a top 20 quarterback potentially last year, but I don't think that it, you have to include Brock Purdy. If you're talking about solely this season, He's a top 10 quarterback. Overall, he's in that franchise range in the top 13, I think, right now. That's where Brock Purdy is. He had a phenomenal year. I mean, he broke the 49ers single-season passing record. He is fifth in the NFL in yards, third in the NFL in touchdowns, first in the NFL if you value it in quarterback rating. But more importantly, why I think it's important to note Brock Purdy is here is because of the stretch he had after some struggles. I mean, did not play that great in that three-game stretch. Uh, Cleveland, Minnesota. I didn't. I thought Cincinnati. He played pretty well. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Thought Minnesota was the one that he played pretty well up until the concussion. Didn't have a great last eight minutes. But that three-game stretch where the 49ers were losing, Purdy had multiple turnovers. Um, you know, in those games, he threw, I believe, uh, two interceptions in the Cincinnati game. In the Minnesota game, had an interception as well in the Cleveland game. And then in the second half of the season, what goes on, Purdy. Uh, up until that Baltimore game, played pretty well. I mean, he only threw two interceptions, threw four. I believe it was 17 touchdowns, a nice ratio over those six games. Ultimately leads the 49ers to a good record. Of course, there's a lot of weapons around him. There were some lows in this game uh, in, in this year, but I thought Brock Purdy, you definitely have to include him, given the fact that he's probably right now top seven, top five in the MVP voting. I think you did a phenomenal job mentioning it mentioning Brock Purdy, um, especially because you have to give him his credit, right? Last year, uh, looking at a lot of numbers, he wasn't who he was this year. Like, if you go back and you watch, even if you go, just don't even look at his numbers. Go back and watch last year. Watch one game from him last year. It's not the same quarterback. The, the offense isn't the same. Much offense. better. Yeah, he's much better. His anticipation was there. It's better. You talk about his pocket presence. He's no longer rolling left. He's confident in the pocket. He has good pocket awareness. Everything that you want from a quarterback in terms of the intangibles and the assets that you can have, Brock Purdy provides them for you, and that's why he is right now up in that franchise quarterback range for me in the top 13. Absolutely. For me, what's done it is his willingness to be super old. He's the, he's so aggressive. Like 
at times it's like that's it's unnecessary to be that aggressive like but it's fun to have that quarterback who's is that aggressive attacking downfield uh, making defenses pay for busted coverages we haven't had that in so long in terms of what jimmy garoppolo and, and the quarterbacks prior have been able to do and in, in making a team pay for busted coverage so for me brock Purdy is definitely a guy who could be in that most improved range because of what he's done from his rookie year to his second year. Um, I like what uh, JCK510 says. Because how about Brandon Ayuk? I feel like he has always been really good, but this year was so great for him. What are your thoughts on Brandon Ayuk being yeah. most improved? Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy who I think is up there. The reason I didn't include him is because personally, I've held him in high regard for yeah. you know his whole career here with the 49ers. I've thought he's been underrated. And I still think he might be underrated. Depends on, you know, I mean, he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Uh, I think that he had a good, good argument to make the Pro Bowl. I, I mean, this year, it's where the statistics matched what the production could be. And so when you talk about a guy like him, where he catches 75 balls, but really the important stuff, or sorry, not the important, the impressive stuff, 1,340 yards. And then he also averages nearly 18 yards of care, uh, 18 yards of reception um, top three in the NFL in that category. The efficiency with how Brandon Ayuk has played is impressive. Obviously, that doesn't discount what he does as a blocker as well. He's just a 49ers player. He's a 49ers type of player. I think that he would be well warranted, obviously, in this spot as well. Coming off a thousand yard season, he got better in less opportunities. He had 78 catches last year, 114 targets last year. Only 75 catches, 105 targets. He caught nearly or over 300 yards more in receiving. So a pretty, pretty good year for Brandon Ayuk. And, I mean, he's a guy who hopefully can be a cornerstone piece for this franchise for years to come. And I think for Brandon Ayuk, I think he's at the point where I would love to see Brandon Ayuk get the target share that guys like Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill get. Now, I've seen people who they're like, they try to put, because you can't necessarily include his average because it was like 18 yards a catch. You can't put the targets and then use that average because with the right. targets, it's going to go down. Like yeah. realistically, it's going to go down because you're, you're not going to be getting deep targets every single throw. Like that's not how it works. So it would come down, but you would also see the yardage go up because he's getting a lot more targets. So, I believe he's under 100, 100 targets this year, um, put up 1,300 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, one less than last year. Definitely could be a guy that's most improved. He's definitely put his put the NFL on notice this year, I feel like. Um, oh, yeah. This year with the more explosive plays, the the like being the, the lead guy in the passing attack for the 49ers, I still think they need to get his targets up. I think at some point, Kyle Shanahan um, needs to start targeting him more. But again, if you do that, you become one dimensional in the passing game. If you look at other teams, um, they're only targeting one receiver. Their offense is, isn't as explosive as the 49ers. So I'm kind of glad that he is limited on his targets, um, but he deserves a payday. Now, this is this one's interesting. I know me and you, uh, we text about this one briefly real quick before um, we went on. Coach of the year. Now, everyone might say Kyle Shanahan or whatever, but I'll go first on this one because mine is a little bit different. I'm going to go Steve Wilkes as coach of the year. Um, and the reason why I'm doing this is because it is extremely hard for a coach to come into a system that is not his, master that system, have to learn it, struggle for a three-game stretch, right? Struggled, struggled, where fans are calling for his name. They were calling to fire Steve Wilkes, this and that. Oh, Steve Wilkes isn't good. Steve Wilkes this, Steve Wilkes that. Um, just for him to have a top five defense in the NFL, for him to get on the same page with Fred Warner, go from the coaching booth down to the field, whether that was his decision or not, he did it. So for me, even though Kyle Shanahan is the head coach and he's arguably one of the better coaches in the NFL, probably in my opinion, is easily a top five head coach in the NFL right now. Steve Wilkes, what he did in terms of learning a different system, not bringing his system. Normally, a head coach hires a defensive coordinator and says, hey, I like your, I like the system you use. Come over here and coach your system. No, nah. Kyle Shanahan said, hey, I like you as a coach. 
but my system's better than yours. I put this in with D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala. Come in, you sit down with Fred Warner. Fred Warner teaches you our system. You got to call the place. To me, that is high-level coaching. When you could come in, take someone else's system, master that, implement your system with it, get all the corners. This is the first time we've had all of our secondary playing at an extremely high level. Charvarius Ward, Ambry Thomas, um, Denomino Lenore, Hufanga was playing really good football. You had Tashawn Gibson playing good football. Um, and then you bring in a rookie, Tig Brown. Oh, my goodness. Like That, to me, is a phenomenal job as a coach. Um, Steve Wilkes, for me, is coach of the year on the 49ers. And, and I get people being upset with him, but it was never. In my opinion, those three-game stretch, they weren't his fault. It was more on the players, in my opinion. And I think that's fair. When we spoke about it early in the year, we talked about some of the issues that Wilkes had, but we also said a big issue during the 49ers slide was, you know, player mistakes, player execution. Now, I appreciate the Steve Wilkes pick. I think that that's a good one, but I also can't deny what I believe should be the coach of the year in Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is this year's coach of the year. I understand the love for Kevin Stefanski. I understand the love for D'Amico Ryans and play uh, and coaches like that. But if you look at the precedent with Nick Sirianni last year, I think Kyle Shanahan should be coach of the year. I can't go with Kevin Stefanski just because his side of the ball ranks in the bottom 10 in EPA per play and a lot of statistics. The offensive side of the ball isn't what carried the Browns to a playoff you know, appearance this year. It's the defensive side. I understand the quarterback play is down in Cleveland, but – Overall, I, I, that's why I'd go Kyle Shanahan over him, and then D'Amico Ryan's. I think what he did is extremely impressive. Obviously, oh, we're not we're not including. So this is Coach of the Year on the Niners squad. No, I know, but oh, I'm okay. going to talk about overall Coach of the Year and then relate it back to the gotcha, Niners. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I thought you were gonna, I thought you took it as as entire NFL, no. but I was like, if we want to do that. It wouldn't be Steve Wilkes for me. Yeah, no, but no, uh, I think Kyle Shanahan overall is the NFL's Coach of the Year, which is why I have to put him as the Niners Coach of the Year. Shanahan, to me, has always been a top coach in the NFL. I view him higher than others, but I honestly thought this year was his best year as a head coach. I thought he grew as a head coach. I thought he, you know, from the beginning, from training camp, from preseason, from the beginning of the season, it seemed like he had experienced some growth overall as the head, as a head coach. He is, you know, he's more accountable. He's taking acknowledgement, things like that. You could sense from an early, uh, you know, an early pattern. And I thought him as a play caller he utilized all of his weapons this year. I thought when you talk about giving Brandon Ayuk more targets, I agree. But Shanahan featured Brandon Ayuk more this year in terms of being the number one in an explosive offense. I thought the way that he implemented his entire, you know, his entire offensive scheme, I thought was better this year. I thought just the way Shanahan coached for most of the in-game decisions was pretty good overall. That's the thing that I had. He has a supreme confidence in his players. I thought, and and then obviously. When you talk about Steve Wilkes, I thought Shanahan identified a good defensive coordinator to come and fill in that role, who now has already been receiving head coaching, you know, head coaching appearances, or sorry, head coaching interviews. Wilkes has done a good job. Personally, I think Shanahan's done an even better job. He's my NFL coach of the year and my 49ers coach of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. Definitely, definitely agree there. Um, he should win coach of the year, but he likely doesn't. But if you agree with us in terms of Kyle Shanahan being coach of the year, that means you have to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button on both channels because you agree with us, right? It's how it works. This is how it works. Um, JCK510 says, I think John Harbaugh showing coach of the year. He is in the toughest of division and Lamar isn't even blowing anyone away in stats and he's still an MVP candidate. Um, I think there's definitely room for debate for coach of the year. I think coach of the year is going to go to um, essentially the coach who's coached his, his behind off in terms of um, with the least amount, so which which means D'Amico Ryan's, uh, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Sean McVay. I think it's going to go to one of those guys in the sense of NFL-wise. Um, and I think it's going to be the second year in a row that Kyle Shanahan gets snubbed. Uh, or not second year. I think it's actually a second year in a row, actually, I'm going to say. Um, even in 2019, I thought Kyle Shanahan should have won it. I thought last year what he did with three three quarterbacks, one being the... Mr. Irrelevant and continuing to win. If Kevin Stefanski wins because he brought Joe Flacco um, out of retirement and is making him look decent, 
well, Kyle Shanahan did that last year with the Mr. Irrelevant pick in Brock Purdy. Why didn't Kyle Shanahan win that award? That's why I don't think the the raw raw stuff or of people saying Kevin Stefanski should win Coach of the Year because what he's look what he's doing with his quarterbacks. I don't care what he's doing with his quarterbacks. Look what Kyle Shanahan did last year. He didn't win it. So if you're gonna go based off of how the voters vote, if Kyle Kyle Shanahan didn't win it last year because of that, Kevin Stefanski Stefanski shouldn't either. Rookie of the Year. Before we get to the main awards, which is Defensive Player of the Year and the MVP. Obviously, 49ers are a, such a good team that you hardly see rookies play. Now, we have seen a couple of rookies play for the 49ers this year. Um, we've seen guys like Ronnie Bell. Um, we've seen Tig Brown. We've seen the most important kicker in the entire NFL who decides to miss field goals before the end of the season to give everyone a heart attack, Jake Moody. Who is the rookie of the year, whether it's a guy who has been playing uh, meaningful um, minutes um, or is it a guy who's on the bench who is playing special teams? Who is rookie of the year to you, Rohan? Yeah. Unfortunately for me, it's kind of process of elimination with the 49ers. Um, so rookies, first of all, the Niners only had a – their first pick was in the third round. Makes it already supremely hard for them to compete on a roster that might be the best in the NFL talent-wise. But to me, it's the guy who's played the most – well, not necessarily played the most, but the guy who I think has had the most impact – uh, in his role, and that's Tig Brown. I think Tig Brown is the rookie of the year for me. I think he's the unquestioned rookie of the year for the 49ers. Moody, um, I don't think he's had a bad year necessarily, but if you're talking about how he ranks amongst kickers in the NFL, Moody's 84% from, uh, you know, 84% kick accuracy this year ranks 20th in the NFL. It's not like 84% right now is a top mark with the way kickers are, especially some of those undrafted kickers that we mentioned earlier in the year. It's 80, it's, it's 20th in the NFL. Yeah, it's 20th in the NFL. And then, I mean, he only missed one extra point, but he still ranks 12th in the NFL in extra point, you know, with his extra point percentage. And so there are different things like that. Uh, but I think there's obviously room for improvement. We'll see how he plays in the playoffs. Obviously gave fans a heart attack in that last one with a few misses, but I got to go take Brown over him. As for Ronnie Bell, had some issues with punt return. That was his main role overall in the year. So to me, process of elimination, Ronnie, uh, uh, sorry, Tig Brown is my guy. And I think Tig Brown has also been fairly, uh, you know, he's, he's played fairly well in, in, the, in the time that he's had as the 49ers starting safety. I think I 100% agree with you. Tig Brown has to win this award, process of, of elimination, but it's not necessarily just process of elimination. If you go back and we watch Tig Brown, he's played really good football. Like he's, mm -hmm. it's not like it's just, he's the only guy who's played. So there's no other option, right? Like Ronnie Bell has two touchdowns on the year. He's played some football. He's had some drops, muffed a couple of punts or made him look kind of scary. Um, Jake Moody was done good. Um, but when you're drafted that high as a kicker, the expectations on a Super Bowl caliber roster are you don't miss. Uh, now, all kickers miss. I get that. So I'm not too worried about the rookie kicker, but Tig Brown has to be rookie of the year um, on the 49ers. Now I'm going to ask you a question outside of the 49ers. Who do you think should win rookie of the year? And I, I know I, we're not talking about outside of the 49ers, but since 49ers have a limited option, who would win rookie of the year in your opinion um, for the NFL? Yeah. So rookie of the year divided into offense and defense. I think offense right now, right now there's a big battle. Because you know how NFL views quarterbacks. They view quarterbacks in a high regard. I'm going to play, you know, fool's advocate here. And I'm a big C.J. Stroud guy now. I wasn't as high on him as I was in the draft. Probably my biggest miss this year in terms of not being, not having him as my number one quarterback or number two quarterback. I had him at three. I'm going with Puka Nakua. I'm, and sure, 49ers fans may disagree. Jack here agrees with me. I'm going with Puka Nakua. Um, the reason being Nakua, when you talk about a season that he has had in terms of breaking records, I understand 17 game season, whatever it might be, but the season that he's had, if it's that, if it's as historic as it is, if he has the chance to be an all pro in his rookie season, I think he deserves the offensive rookie of the year. I think you're right. I think, you, how do you, so to me, if we're going to make these awards, if we're only going to award them to quarterbacks what's the point of having it be rookie of the year what's the point of having it be most valuable player of the year you know what i mean like for me if it's just going to be a quarterback 
um, award, you can't make it that. But make it quarterback of the quarterback, a rookie quarterback of the year, if that's the case. I think you're right. I think Puka Nakua, with the the record breaking season he's had, and not not just one record, he's broken multiple records. He's broke the catch the uh, rookie single season catches in a, a season for a rookie, most yards for a rookie, um, arguably the better player and receiver on the Rams this year when Cooper Cup went down. So it's kind of like, I agree, but I think CJ Stroud wins it because he's a quarterback. Unfortunately, I, I think CJ wins it too, but I would put Nakua. This is, you know, that's D'Amico's team. You know, we usually would pick CJ Stroud, but no, it's to me, it's Nakua. I think to me, to be honest, I think it's uh, Nakua too. Now defensive rookie of the year. I'm curious to see where you go. Cause there's a lot of different options. You could go um, for me. I would definitely. I, I'm like, I'm stuck. I don't know who. You got Will Anderson. You got um, Jalen Carter. Um, you got Devin Witherspoon. Brian Branch has played phenomenal his rookie year. Um, I personally think I gotta go with Will Anderson. I know uh, Jalen Carter has been pretty good, but the I feel like the defensive rookie class has been underwhelming. Like you're expecting the defensive rookie class like to give that a work out. You're expecting it to be someone like high like someone who's stood out i don't feel like there's been a defensive rookie that stood out or that's stepped out and took that award um like the like the offensive position i think there's only two players for the offensive position i think of cj stroud and and puka nakua the only ones that are running so who do you think uh, defensive rookie of the year yeah i think that there's a lot of potential options and when you talk about this rookie class uh defensively i think it's intriguing because i think there are a lot of potential contenders that weren't drafted in the first round. Brian Branch was not drafted in the first round. I don't think Joey Porter, I don't think he wins it, but I think he's in the consideration. He was not drafted in the first round. And a guy who I think is the most underrated, well, there are two. Coincidentally, both play for the Rams. Kobe Turner at defensive tackle and Byron Young at outside linebacker slash defensive end. I think both players have been good this year. I think Turner could even be in the running for defensive uh, rookie of the year. I think that those two guys were outside of the first uh, uh, first round. Turner was a, I believe he was a fourth rounder, Byron Young a third rounder. And so I think that there are a lot of options. I think, so you went, who'd you go? Will Anderson? I went with Anderson. I think he stepped up the last couple of weeks to help the Houston Texans make the playoffs. And to me, that is kind of the only thing that stood out um, for me. I know Will, um, Kobe Turner, he tied the record with, uh, at least for the Rams record for rookie sacks in a season um, with Aaron Donald. I don't get, where the heck does these Los Angeles Rams make these players in a lab? Like, cause like all their defensive, they find defensive tackles left and right. I, it's insane. Like they know how yeah. to scout defensive tackles um, and defensive line. But who do you who's who's the guy you choose for that award? Yeah. So to me, I mean the the front runners. I think a guy who I uh, definitely have on my mind is Jalen Carter. I think it's personally. I think um, I would pick between Jalen Carter. I think there are four in my mind: Carter, um, Brian Branch, Will Anderson. And, or sorry, five. Carter, Brian Branch, Will Anderson, Kobe Turner, and Devin Witherspoon. I think that those are my five. Witherspoon, I think, was an early front runner, but I think some other people have jumped him recently. Um, more notably, I think Carter has jumped him. I think Turner has potentially jumped him. I will probably end up going with Jalen Carter here. I think that his two-way impact, especially as a uh, early impact rookie, his longevity over the season, that's where I'll probably go. But I want to give some love to Kobe Turner because I think he is, you know, he's pretty, pretty darn good. You're absolutely right. There's definitely a, a one to go. Now, this is it's gonna be this one, this one's hard for the 49ers. Um defense uh, defensive player of the year. Have a top defense, a lot of guys who deserve the recognition, a lot of guys who have played really good football. Now, defensive player of the year on the 49ers only. We're not going entirely NFL. This is strictly 49ers defensive player of the year. Who do you give this award to for the 2023 season? I think mine is probably going to differ from yours because to me, it's a guy who has been a personal favorite. I think he's been underrated for a long, long time. I'm going with Mooney Ward. Mooney Ward is my defensive player of the year for the 49ers in 2023. I think Mooney Ward had been the most consistent player for this team throughout the uh, throughout the entire campaign. 
thought Fred Warner had a bit of a slip, uh, you know, in, in, in when the 49ers defense was a little uh, struggling a little bit during this win streak and earlier in the season. But I think still Warner has had a phenomenal year. Nick Bosa, obviously, maybe not in terms of sacks that you see his impact, but I think his impact has still been felt throughout the entire team. You've seen a little bit more of a distribution in terms of sacks, but Bosa still has uh, an insane amount of pressures as well. But I think this team doesn't. This team isn't complete without uh, the cornerback play of Charverius Ward. I think that he is an integral portion, uh, or integral piece to this team. Um, and I'm going to go with him because Ward. Not only did he, you know, make a lot of plays in in it in, in his role. He's had a lot of passes defended. I think he leads the league with 23. Um, but he's also come up with interceptions recently. He has five on the season. Um, I think that that's impressive. A forced fumble as well. This is Ward's best year. I think it's a all-pro caliber year for Traverius Ward, and that is really high praise for me. I believe he made the Pro Bowl. This is an all-pro caliber year for Traverius Ward for me. He's my D, uh, DPOY. That's a great pick because it's a lot of times we like to choose the biggest name player in terms of like Fred Warner and Nick Bosa's, right? But I think that's a phenomenal way to – I think you worded that exactly the best way you could um guy who's been underrated but he stepped up right for me this one was hard um because i wanted to give this award to a player who without him the defense isn't the same and and without him there they might struggle or there might be a position that lacked a little bit of it um so for me it was very hard when i was looking actually looking at this one because I want to go Fred Warner. I want to go Nick Bosa. Like, those are obviously the most impactful players on the 49ers. Like, without them, the defense isn't the same, right? That's obvious. But the player that has been the guy that's allowed this team to excel, I, I agree with you. I think it's Charverius Ward in the sense of what he's done. Steve Wilkes allowing him to go shadow receivers. We we haven't seen that with, uh, yeah. with the other coaches, with uh, D'Amico Ryan's. He didn't have him shadow much. And when he did, it was usually because it was maybe DK. Now, Traverius Ward took it upon himself to call his shot. He said, you know what? I'm going to put myself in the top five category the moment I start getting interceptions. One week later, pick six, right? That's what a defensive player of the year does on, on your roster. Now, I wanted to give to Fred Warner. If I felt to give to Traverius Ward because I think Fred Warner went to Steve Wilkes and said, hey, look, this is not how our defense runs. We run our defense like this. This is what we do. We don't like that you're calling this. And he was like, he expressed it to the media. He expressed that we don't, there's certain things that we don't like to do. Um, figured it out with Steve Wilkes. They mastered it. Top five defense. So I, I agree. Charvarius Ward does win defensive player of the year for the 49ers this year. Um, if it wasn't for him, I would give it to Fred Warner. I felt like Nick mm -hmm. Bosa. I felt like Nick Bosa does, didn't win the award because of the start to his season. I felt like I he was getting a lot of pressures and everything like that, but he wasn't getting home, and the the defense needed him during a three-week stretch, and he didn't. He wasn't making those plays. Or he was getting pressure, but not the plays, right? So for me, that's why Charvarius Ward, Charvarius Ward wins it. Second would be Fred Warner. Um, now, the biggest award, and I think we're probably going to disagree here, the, for the entirety of the team, the 2023 MVP award for your 2023 San Francisco 49ers goes to. You go first. Go for it. Oh, you want me to go? See, Ron, I knew you were going to do this. I knew for the MVP I have my award, guy in mind, and I do believe we're going to disagree. So I want to hear you first. I knew, I knew, I knew Ron was going to do this on the MVP award because he wanted me to say this player just so I could get cooked because he knows me. Rohan knows me. He knows I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. He knew yeah. I was going. He knew it. And he he set me up. And I love it. But I think Christian McCaffrey without the 49ers, um, without Christian McCaffrey, um, the 49ers offense isn't the same. Um, I feel like Christian McCaffrey is a phenomenal player. Um, he opens up the entirety of the offense. Um, even when the run game isn't there, Christian McCaffrey is explosive out of the backfield. I think he should. I think he deserves MVP considerations for the entire NFL. Um, I think he should win it. Um, now he's probably not going to win it because Lamar Jackson is going to win it. It's a it's a quarterback award nowadays. Um, but when you look at what Christian McCaffrey brings to the team, um, 
without him in the playoffs, without him in the regular season, um, it's a different offense in my opinion. Even with Brock Purdy out there. Brock Purdy, and don't take this the wrong way. Brock Purdy is my second guy on, on for MVP. He's absolutely my second guy for MVP. Third would be Fred Warner and then so on. Um, and then the reason why Fred Warner would be third and not Charverius Ward because he just won defensive player of the year is because the entirety of the team and what they bring to the entirety of everything. Um, so for me, um, Brock would be second. I think Brock deserves his credit, deserves his dues, um, deserves his flowers for what he's done. But for me, Christian McCaffrey is just that much of a dy- dynamic player that he deserves that award. And for me, Christian McCaffrey wins MVP for the 49ers this year. I think that that's a, you know, I think that that is an extremely fair McCaffrey um, has been atop my list for a long, long time this year. And when you talk about MVP, I think MVP is a, it's an intriguing, you know, it's, it's an intriguing way to, to describe it because if I'm talking about the most valuable player on this team, not the way that this, not the way that the season is, if I'm talking about the like valuable that. player on this team, to me, it's two players. I, I do think that there are two players more valuable than Christian McCaffrey to this team, if you're talking most valuable, that is Trent Williams and that is Brock Purdy. I think both players are more valuable than Christian McCaffrey because of positional value. Williams plays the second most position in or second most important position in the NFL, and he's the best at it. Especially when you consider the remainder of the 49ers offensive line. The 49ers aren't in this place without Trent Williams doing what he does on a weekly basis. You can't because the way the right side of the offensive line has played this year, it hasn't been good. The 49ers have relied on the left side. And again, it's not only about pass protection. It's about the run game. It's about the entirety of the flow of the offense. That's why I think Williams is the most important player of, for the 49ers. However, the reason Brock Purdy climbs into the conversation for most important player on the 49ers is because Williams did miss a few games this year, and Purdy showcased his talents in those games. I believe Williams was out in week 10 against the Jaguars, or I forget the exact weeks that he was out. But Brock has played really well this year. And the reason he's most uh, he's the second most important for me is because he plays the most important position and plays it at a top 15, top 13, whatever you want to call it, level overall, top 10 this year. And so that's the way that's the that's the thinking that I have in terms of most important player. However, if we're labeling it specifically to this season, talking about how this offense went or how this overall team went, then you'd be hard to go against Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey doesn't play the most important position. McCaffrey isn't, you know, he he plays at running back, which before the 49ers made it relevant really in the last few years has lost a significant amount of value. But McCaffrey is the most important, or sorry, most valuable player on this team. I will agree with you there. I think he is the most valuable player on this team because of how the 49ers utilize him, but also because how other teams treat McCaffrey in the run game. You've seen teams sell out against the run. And that's allowed the 49ers offense to flourish. The number one example that goes into my mind early in the season was week, what was it? Week six or week five against, no, week five against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, one of those early early weeks where the 49ers, what did they do? McCaffrey ran for 51 yards on 19 carries. Dallas sent everybody. They tried to stop the run. And then as a result, it opened up the pass game. The 49ers scored 42 points, their highest to that point in the season. In the pass game though, McCaffrey as well attracts a ton of attention, leaving one-on-one matchups across the board that leaves when you have three other receivers in George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk that can separate and also make significant plays in one-on-one coverages. That also has a significant amount of value to the 49ers and their offense. So to me, McCaffrey becomes my most valuable player. I think if I were to have a most valuable ballot, it would be one spot ahead of Brock Purdy. But I think in terms of most valuable for this season, those are my two picks. McCaffrey one, Purdy two. I agree with you there. I just wanted to label the distinction between most valuable and most important. I thought you were I thought you're really gonna go another direction than me. And I, I do love the 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 praise for Trent Williams. Um he obviously is an extremely important player for the 49ers. Um he is probably he is the most important player on the Niners. Without him, the offensive line is not the same. Um, but that is it for the year 2023 award show. If you guys are watching, make sure you guys go to both channels, Clutch Gene Sports channel, Rohan Chakavarti's personal channel. You hit subscribe. You hit that like button. Hit the notification bell. 
so you know when we're going live every week. Make sure you guys are tuned in to the next show. I'll be back Friday. Rohan, when will you be back live? Probably tomorrow. Uh, I got a show with Ryan, so probably tomorrow morning. So make sure you guys are tuned in. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. We'll be back. Every time you hit that like button for us, it does us a favor. brings us to more people, uh, more eyes to the show, more shows you get. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.